I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. I'm just free writing and letting out what's in my brain. Yeah, some of that will be negative. And not even negative, but some of it will be worry or some of it, it depends on the day. Some of it, yeah, might be negative. Like maybe something didn't go my way. But I don't think that that's bad because I believe when something doesn't go my way, it means there's something better or, you know, the universe will reroute me to a different direction and it might feel, but that doesn't mean it doesn't feel really bad right now. You know, like growth might not be comfortable. It might just be growth. Now let the magic begin. Hello, Soul Tribe. It's Raquel. And if this is your first episode, well, welcome, welcome. And if this is your 70th episode, I freaking love you so much so much <laughs> oh you guys it is the end of the year what a roller coaster this year has been in upcoming episodes i can't wait to talk about it and my exploration with my intrinsic self but today today we get to talk about and explore the magic of journaling with the journaling queen Katie Dale about, who also has her own podcast that she's been hosting for ever since podcasts pretty much existed. (laughs) 
and she indeed well pioneered the wellness field on the platform but also has an awesome book that she wrote with hay house called let it out a journey through journaling so of course of course i ask her questions on journaling but honestly <laughs> first i just i felt this nudge to talk about something deeply personal that I've that I've experienced in my own life and in many phases throughout the past few years in which I know she has too and this is honestly one reason I love her podcast but this is one reason why I love to have this podcast is I get to talk to souls that I would not normally just be able to run into on a day-to-day -day basis and find a connection and parallel from my own life to theirs, especially if it's vulnerable as poo. <laughs> like a term that she has called anorexia nostalgia, which pretty much is like it sounds. And you've heard my struggles with this and releasing this energy. And here, you'll hear hers. Also, speaking of poo, for whatever reason, Katie talked a lot of crap in this episode it was hilarious. I loved it. A lot of poo analogies. And, you know, she thought that she might as well just roll with them because for whatever reason, they were just coming out and she was running with it. I died. <laughs> Laughing. It was great. Katie's good time. Ooh, and ooh, we also talked about Abraham Hicks. Y'all know I'm an Abrahamster. And if you're not familiar, by the way, with Abraham Hicks, then I brief you, I believe, in the episode. So if you're curious about them, you'll hear. If you're not curious about them, you'll hear, <laughs> unless you fast forward through that part. But I was curious how their wisdom affects her writing, as I believe it is important to face and release our shadows because they are big on always staying positive. So we do talk a lot about that. It can be very complicated when you believe that you have to be positive all the time in order to attract what you want. You feel me? <laughs> I've been there. Past that now, but I've so been there and we will chat all about that. And side note, because we do talk about journaling, of course, because she's the journaling queen, I just wanted you to know that I have hundreds of self-expansion and soul expansion journaling prompts that I've asked my soul in periods of time that I have delivered to the Soul Tribe exclusive site at yourownmagic.life. But also, of course, Skillshare, um... <laughs> Perfect segue, right? <laughs> Skillshare has classes that teach you how to bullet journal and make your own handmade journals and illustrated draw your life kind of journalings. So cool because it might be such a beautiful form of expression for those who don't really care to write too much. And Skillshare also offers an abundance of writing and photography social media, business, entrepreneurship, health and wellness, yada 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 courses. Because their library has over 20,000 courses of mostly brilliant teachers because people rate the teachers and you'll see how many students are in it and how effective it is. And if you're interested in trying them out, well, it's only 99 cents for an entire two months, not 99 cents each month, 
Nope, 99 cents for two months when you use our special link in the show notes or type in skillshare.com forward slash magic. That's skillshare.com forward slash magic. Now, for whatever reason, (laughs) I kept having this vision to make a shift in the intro and to sometimes share my poems. And if you'd like me to do this more, well, let me know. And if not, well, here you go anyways. You're welcome. Just kidding. (sighs) If she could tell her young self to hush any voice who belittled her for her pure kindness as she savors the sweetness of her own song, soothing the eyes underneath the blindness of those who've done her wrong. And if she could tell her young self to foresee the formation of a rainbow beyond the gray cloud shadowing her, covering up the heavy rain that flows and drowning her heart, making her suffer. She'll swim over the sea of pity that they bestow as every stroke only makes her stronger. And if she could tell her young self to honor her oneness as innately kind, to unabashedly show love to those who misread and misjudged her mind with full faith that nature will hush the voices that do not align and dry her tears because she'll be blessed with the humans, the light, the life her soul was destined to find. And that's it. (laughs) I'm curtsying right now. Just visualize it. You can't see me, but I'm curtsying as a thank you for listening to that. And I fought with that call. I was like, no, I don't want to share my poems on my podcast. I've done it a couple times, but I don't want to do that in most of the intros. But you know what? I decided to listen and we'll see what happens. But for now, let the magic begin with Katie Delabout. What's your zodiac sign? I am a Taurus. Oh, a Taurus. What are the characteristics of a Taurus? Well, I I know very little about astrology, but our mutual friend Lacey Phillips is like very into it and just knows it so well. She can remember people's signs better than their names. And so I always think that's so funny. But but for the things that I've really known about a Taurus that I take on are being super loyal and I am like very, very loyal and they are really grounded at their best. So it's like an earth sign. So like I'm, I am grounded. Like I, I love the woo, but I like, I am, it takes me, it doesn't take me a minute. I'll kind of believe anything, but it's just um, like they're at their best. I think they're people who like, are like earth mamas, like in taking a bath. And like, that's what I 
visualize Taurus as being. I'm totally not that, but like, I think I, at my core, maybe am. I mean, I've listened to your podcast and you do sound like a very grounded person, but I can also hear the sincerity and love in your voice whenever you talk. It makes sense. Oh, thank you. Yeah. When I like meet a person, I'm like, that I is like, oh, you're my people. Like you are in for life. Like I just like, (laughs) part of that might just be my Western is, I don't know. Oh, that might have a little bit to do with it. Indeed. (laughs) There's so much, so much that I want to dive into with you. Um, (laughs) One deep humanism connection that you and I have both experienced that really drew me to you in all honesty in the process Mm. of my healing. And many of my listeners are very aware of this, that (laughs) this is just an experience my human self chose in previous years of my life. Quite a history of eating disorders and issues with body image as I have fluctuated on both ends of the spectrum when it comes to weight and eating disorders, being way too underweight and a bit too overweight. And I just used to correlate that with the value of my worth. And then recently, you brought into my awareness when I was researching more about you in preparation for this podcast, though I knew who you were well before, of course, but a major thing that you brought into my awareness that I just thought many of the listeners should know and heal from, which it's something you wrote forever ago. And I don't know if you coined the term, but nostalgia mm-hmm. anorexia. I struggled for a long time with nostalgia orthorexia. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's what you probably had as well, which I, you know, I'd rather you define it because you'll give it way more justice than I will. So to begin this, I'm just curious, how did you heal from this illusion and the story of missing your old self for a while? Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me and you're lovely. And I could talk about all the things we connect on in Hawaii. And it's, it's so cool. You live there. When I was there visiting, I got off the plane and I was like, why don't we all live here? So I, I admire you and I'm so excited to, to get to know you more as well. Um, so thank you. And yeah, that I think you're referring to this article I wrote for refinery 29 a couple of years ago. And that, that article was something I worked on for months and months with the, and it's kind of funny that you're bringing this up today because the person that the editor my editor at Refinery is this wonderful person named Kelsey Miller who started this column at Refinery several years ago. And this was, um, you know, kind of at the height of body positivity and normalizing intuitive eating, moving, like dieting became so uncool while wellness was becoming so mainstream. And the two were kind of butting heads. And it was like, oh, I'm not dieting. I'm just like eating whatever I want. But it's just like a lot of peanut butter and avocado toast all the time. You know what I mean? And I think there's like a heavy Instagram world of that where it's like, I'm not dieting, it's wellness. Or it's like, this is just like, but it's never anything quote unquote, you know, normal or bad. And there there was just like a lot of normalization of essentially non-normal eating or eating disorders. And Kelsey Miller but it was also better than like the dieting of the 90s, right? Like the dieting of the 90s was very much like um, very un- fat yogurt. <laughs> yeah. And like un- very uncool now to think yeah. about that. But at the time, like it was like 
Diet Coke and, and yeah, exactly like you said, low fat yogurt, but then, you know, wellness kind of hijacked dieting and, and under the guise of wellness, but it's like, oh, but you're still doing it to control your, your weight and your body size and shape. Um, so at the height of that, that's like a whole tangent, which we can get back to, but this person named Kelsey Miller started this column for Refinery29 called the Anti-Diet Project. And she wrote about herself finding intuitive eating, intuitive exercise, and just being okay with her body the way it was without trying to change it, which is unfortunately in our society with our beauty standards, a radical thing. You know, like we are as women expected to change our body size and morph our body on the basis of size and weight to fit into a societal ideal and a standard of beauty that you know, exist because of a culture and has existed for a very long time, but in other cultures or in other time periods, a plumper body shape or a bigger body has been what's revered. And what's revered by a society is whatever's most difficult to attain and costs the most resources and time to attain. So in our current society, it costs the most resources and time to attain a thin toned body, the one that's been idealized because, you know, you need the money to go to Whole Foods and buy the special food and need the time to like sit on your hands and not like, you know, eat or you need to like exercise and that costs money or like all, you know, in these very specific ways. And and so all of these things are, are costly to your time and to your energy and like people who are, you know, can't afford these things or, or can't afford them time-wise who are like working a lot or going through something or like they're not, they're not able to fit this, this ideal. So what what happened to me and what I wrote this article about what, you know, and like I was saying, I, it was a beautiful experience of like a co-creation with Kelsey Miller, my editor, because I was really going through this. Like I call going through it, which I'm like weirdly like, I'm kind of, we're all always going through it, right? Like I had sessions yeah. with my therapist this morning. And it's like, we're always growing. It's not like you grow and you're like, I'm good. At the time <laughs> I was what I call GTI going through it. I was GTI then I'm GTI now, but just for different things. Yeah. <laughs> but at the time I was really GTI about my body. So it was like, I had this eating disorder, anorexia with a sprinkle of orthorexia after where I was very, very underweight. And the effed up thing about that was that at that time when I was at my lowest weight, I got the most comfortable compliments and validation. And I also got lots of concern and lots of, you know, questions from, I was in, it was like, I maybe mentioned it, you know, it was the end of my college. So my professors and my, you know, family and my friends and people around me are like very concerned with me. But at the same time, I was also getting compliments and people saying, what do you eat? What do you do to work out? Like you look amazing, you know? So it was very confusing and it's a very confusing thing for people because it's like, this is how I'm getting attention and validation in kind of both directions, both from people complimenting me on how I look and wanting to do the same. And then also with people being worried about me and being concerned about me, like that was a different sense of validation, but at its core, like it was, it was attention, you know? So then a couple of years went by and you know, I felt further and further from it. The attention went away. The interesting thing about eating disorder recovery and eating disorder healing is like, 
I was just living on my own, like living my life. I lived alone. I was kind of going through a lonely period of my life. So I was like single and I was, um, I didn't have that many friends and I lived in a studio apartment and I worked from home. So I had a lot of solitude in my life. And at the same time, I was doing this deep body image work. So I was learning about health at every size, which is a, um, a concept in a, a book by Dr. Linda Bacon. And um, I was learning about Isabel Foxton, Fox and Duke's work about, you know, accepting your body as it is and not trying to manipulate your size and shape and um, fat politics and like getting angry about this and like looking at looking at our standards of beauty as a feminist issue. And I was learning about all these things yet at the same time, and my body was changing. Like that was the big part of that, that essay that you read is like my body, my clothes weren't fitting. And I was, I was, that was jarring, you know, that is jarring no matter what for anyone. Yes. Yeah. And so all these things are happening at the same time. And it's like, here I am trying to take in this work of, you know, Isabel, who was my mentor at the time. And I'm trying to like, you know, the anti-diet project intuitively eat. But then part of me was just like, and the setup for that article was like, I was going on a trip and going to be around a bunch of people when I normally wasn't. And I was just like, fuck, like none of my clothes fit. And I feel, I wish I was just back to where I was because then I would have the confidence, the validation, the um, attention that I wanted. And me in this body, like, I don't even, I don't like myself here and it's jarring and it's different. And, you know, the, the arc of the article was like learning to be okay with that and not even learning to be okay with that, but like going to the thing I was going to and being like, nobody else cares because they're all in their own heads thinking about their own body and their own stuff. And so that's what I've learned. Yeah. Amen to that. Oh, that is the biggest part of it, especially, well, I believe that my nostalgia came from, like you said, Mm -hmm. getting so many compliments. I was getting so many emails that I inspired them because I lost so much weight so quickly and I inspired them to eat plant-based and run and do yoga and work out like crazy. But to the level I was taking it at was different than the, what is attainable for most people, you know? And I felt bad about being true and opening up about that because I knew that I knew on some level and I'm sure you did too that though it was and it was tough it was tough to keep that up but at the same time that was like where our focus was and to keep up that body image it was a struggle but we felt like we had to attain it but when people would come to you and ask you how did you do it like how did how did you feel in those moments because I always felt like so not, I did not feel okay exposing the truth about it. Oh yeah. And I don't even think, you know, I was aware of the truth of it. Like I wasn't even, you know, I was in denial that I had an eating disorder until like, oh yeah. Well into like having an eating disorder. Like there are years of disordered eating, probably like most of my, you know, most people, especially women unfortunately, are disordered eaters, right? Like normal eating, there's this great definition by Ellen Satter, and I can even find it and read it on this podcast, but you know, I'll like summarize it right now, but honestly, like maybe we can put in the show notes or something like, it's so good. Um, 
but it's basically like normal eating is eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full most of the time. It's also wishing you had more food when you ate it all and, you know, not packing enough for the day or not like, you know, having access to food. And it's also eating more food than is comfortable for you because it's so delicious or the cookies are warm and it's in front of you and you just want to. And it's, you know, eating because you're hungry, also eating because you're sad or emotional sometimes and knowing that it's all okay. Um, that is normal eating. It's like not overthinking it and enjoying it. And, you know, food is not just fuel. It's also connection and pleasure and so many other ways of nourishment. And, that, you know, we have so few sensory pleasures in this lifetime, in this body, and taste is one of them. And so to deny that is is really sad. And so I was doing that, but like not even realize I, realizing I was doing it because disordered eating is essentially, you know, normalized as dieting. So I just was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I just don't eat that. I don't eat that. I'm allergic to that. I'm allergic to this just to make it easier. I don't, is that cooked in there? The whatever, whatever, like no onions, no garlic, like just all of the things. Right. And, but really, you know, I really wanted to enjoy that with that person or like, I missed out on that, like fun taco night because I was scared or I didn't go to the thing because I didn't know what food would be there. And I didn't know if I would get in bed in time. It's like, I'm missing out on my life because I'm focusing on my body and I'm focusing on my relationship with food. So when people would ask me that question, I was like, at the time I was so unaware that I would be like, Oh yeah, you just have to, you know, don't eat this and don't eat that and green smoothie. And it like, you know, I would, I would kind of give it, but I was also, like you said, I knew that there was something not right. I knew I wasn't really happy. And I also knew like, this maybe won't even work for you. I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, I was just kind of like, I don't know, like this is, I, I, I always felt uncomfortable talking about it. And at the time, I don't think I knew why, but I think in retrospect, it was because I knew what I was doing wasn't right for me, much less anyone else. Deep down. Yes, deep deep down that's you know your inner voice was shouting at you like all right it's time to live yeah. please stop it's so interesting that the way we all define disordered eating because it's so subjective you know because abnormal eating behaviors really does depend on the culture and that's where i would just define it as listening to that inner voice that is telling you you know you can feel when it's about time to stop when it's finally time to stop whatever you're doing or just not pursue that path. Like I think deep down when I reflect, when I was on that role of my disordered eating behavior and I was isolating myself from the world at that time, deep down it didn't feel right, mm -hmm. but I would just numb it because I wanted to continue this path. And so to me, that's where you can recognize the disordered eating because that can be so subjective. And in case people, you know, some people do like to eat a little differently than others, which is fine, you know, but yeah, as long as they know that they feel really right about it. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like we're all meant, I believe we're all meant to eat differently in different quantities and seasonally differently and where we live differently and, um, and what phase we are in our cycle or our life or what's happening to us emotionally. Like these things all ebb and flow and therefore, you know, so do our bodies and like, that's okay. And, you know, Beanie Feldstein wrote this article. She's an actress. She was in Lady Bird and she wrote an article for Refinery29 that I'll send you that I think you'd really like too. And it was like, I think the title was like, please stop commenting on my body because 
she looked one way when she did Lady Bird and then she was like in a Broadway show and in New York City and like dancing every night and she just like happened to lose a lot of weight and in every tabloid and everywhere people were talking about her transformation and her weight loss journey and blah 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 and she was like no and it hurt her because people were talking she had years ago just accepted her body as it was and at first she hated it and people always talked about how she was chubby and she didn't like it and she tried to diet and all these things and nothing worked and you know ebbs and flows and And then she finally was just like, this is who I am. I accept myself. I like myself. She was in such a good place. And then people started commenting on it and it got in her head. She started to be like, oh, like just like we did with the compliments. It started to like, you know, it's a hit of dopamine. And she didn't like how much she liked that. And so I think that's really important. Like I try to not comment on people's bodies anymore. I try to not comment, you know, I'll still like compliment someone's hair or their makeup or like an aesthetic thing like that. But I won't compliment like, oh my God, your butt looks great. Or, oh my God, like you have the tiniest waist. Or like, I don't, I don't do that. And I also don't comment like, you know, even I try to not comment on looks so much in general. Like I I might say, you know, one, something about how they put together an outfit or something like that, that's more creative and artistic. But I don't really want to say even like you look great, like I, because they might attach that to like, oh, that means I like look like I lost weight. You know, I know I would do that little translation mental gymnastics in my my mind. Oh, of course. You know what? I got chills while you were talking about that. So that's probably a sign that that's something that I should consider as well because I do agree. They either know or feel that they look good, but we don't need to bring that to their attention because it really can be more damaging than we even realize at that time. Yeah, because like we don't know what's going on in their life. Like maybe they lost a bunch of weight and they're really sad. Or maybe they gained a bunch of weight and they're really sad. You know, like for dieters, I think this is so interesting. And maybe you know this, but for chronic dieters, so anyone who's like, you know, tried to cut things out of their diet or tried to like, you know, eat in any specific way for any period of time, when you're sad or depressed or sick, like your, your inkling will be to turn to food when naturally our inkling in those moments is to turn away from food and to like not eat. But we will, it gets switched in your brain where it's like food becomes, you know, this, this coveted thing. So I I don't know. I think, I think it's all really interesting. Tribe. I am so excited to say that my close friends and family are sealing love in 2019, it's it's just in the air these days. I'll be attending a few weddings next year, including one of my old high school besties who's getting married next fall, and my brother. So I'm going to have a sister-in-law, and he's getting married in a season yet to be determined. But Zola, okay, I thought this was so synchronistic when Zola reached out. And I realize Zola is perfect for those getting married or perhaps celebrating a life partnership of love, which is what I picture myself doing, (laughs) or being a wedding attendee, which is what I'll always be doing. (laughs) So because of all the upcoming weddings, when Zola reached out, it just seemed like synchronistic timing. And I love that they have reinvented the wedding planning and registry experience. I started doing it myself for my own manifestation. (laughs) So Zola is a free wedding website to help you plan your dream wedding registry 
or life partner celebration registry, providing affordable save the dates and invitations and just, well, pretty much everything you'll need in one place for, like I said, free. And if you want your own wedding to have a website, well, they have over a hundred designs so you can personalize your own and choose your own favorite style. But the best part for us attendees is that you'll have a whole Zola registry that can be on your wedding website so guests can gather all of the deets that they need and buy your wedding gift in one place. Plus, they have the widest selection of gifts with different price points. Um, Airbnb is an option, by the way. So, yeah, can someone buy me a room in Tahiti, please? Thanks. And you can also create a funds account for raising money for your honeymoon, which is just an awesome option for guests to pitch in. And the best part to me is that you get 20% off the gifts that guests didn't purchase. So you'll know that after the wedding. Anyways, it can also be used as a vision board wedding manifestation tool because why not? And then when it comes around, you know what you want. (laughs) So to start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, Z-O-L-A, by the way, go to Zola.com forward slash magic. That's Zola.com forward slash magic. Link will be in the show notes. And now, on with the show. I wanted to preface all of that (laughs) to highlight another one of your journeys from Wellness Wonderland to Let It Out, Mm -hmm. as there are just so many takeaways from it. And I thought that people knowing that experience of yours would be able to understand why you made the transition from Wellness Wonderland to Let It Out. So feel free to take up as much time as you please to talk about this so the listeners <laughs> really get a good sense of who you are and how this has evolved your creative entrepreneurial journey. And I'm also very curious of the transition as well. Thanks. And it, it's so nice to talk to someone who like is familiar with, with me. Um, I... Yeah, I mean, I started a blog called The Wellness Wonderland when I was in college. And honestly, it was the height of my orthorexia. So I was very genuinely into holistic wellness and yoga. I was so into yoga from high school through college. I taught yoga. I loved it. So like the yogic culture and being a vegetarian was something I had been since you know, my late teens or early teens. And I just identified with wellness and yoga as a culture and as a hobby. And so, and at that time, it wasn't what it is now, especially in the Midwestern college town I was living in. And I grew up in like, there was no Whole Foods. There was like barely a health food store. Like there, nobody's making kombucha. And I definitely grew up like my family, this is interesting. And I don't know if I like, shared this before, but my family actually owned fast food restaurants. So like, constantly, no. yeah, I was like constantly <laughs> around, you know, so I think for me, this like addiction to wellness and this, you know, at first it wasn't an addiction, it became one, but this fascination with wellness really came from like a genuine curiosity and an interesting place of like, I think a lot of us do this where I didn't grow up with any of that stuff, right? Like it was all the opposite of how I grew up. So it was a way for me to differentiate myself from my family and a way for me to 
you know, kind of be in my like very sheltered, like play the by the rules way, like be different, you know? Um, so that was kind of, I think my initial window in, and then I loved reading blogs. You know, this was like 2010, 2011 at the height of blogging. So I I don't know if anyone remembers like Rock Melt or like the Google Reader where you could like have all the blogs you read on the side of your computer. And so I just, you know, I was reading a lot of design blogs and fashion blogs and wellness blogs and just all of the blogs, you know, like A Cup of Joe and Design Love Fest and just like all of these bloggers and my boyfriend at the time was, is, I think, a graphic designer. And so he was like, you you could do this. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. And he built me a website, which was so lovely. And I came up with the name Wellness Wonderland while I was in a yoga class. And I was just like, yes, this is it. This is wonderful. And I was able to like talk about these things. I was talking everyone in my lives year, ear off about wellness. I was able to like put it on the internet and you know, Instagram was like just coming out at that time. So I like kind of built this little like wellness community around that. And then a couple of years later, the same thing happened. I moved, I had moved away. It was when I was living on my own and feeling really alone. And I started listening to podcasts. They were really comforting to me. And I happened to study broadcast journalism and radio. So I I knew like a little bit about GarageBand and I was kind of like, maybe I could do that. And the same boyfriend helped me like get it together with the technology and all of that. Cause that usually really overwhelmed me. But very early on, I started a podcast. So this was like early 2013. Wow. I was interviewing people and I was hosting this podcast, which is still the podcast I have now. But at the time I called it the wellness wonderland radio. And I was interviewing mostly like yoga teachers and vegan chefs and holistic health coaches and, you know, wellness bloggers. And I was asking them like very specific questions, like, how many chia seeds are going into that smoothie? And are we doing warm water with lemon before or after we dry brush? And like, when does the workout get in? And like, you know, like, cause that's, that's where so cool. I was, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like I was like looking to everyone else for like a formula of if I do this and I'm just like her, then I will have what she has and she has what I want, which is like, she looks really happy and she works for herself and she lives in New York city and she has a boyfriend and blah, 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 blah. And so yeah, so I, I, I was just like trying to find the answer. And I really used podcasting. It was for myself because it was a way to get an hour of these people's time and talk to them and ask them whatever I was curious about. It was networking for me. Can't relate at all. Yeah, right? I know. It, I got And now I even like help other people start podcasts because I just think it's so tremendous for that. But But like at the time, it was just like – it was honestly just for me because no one was listening. And then – it started to grow and get some traction. And I, I, I had this this woman who I interviewed as my very first interviewee said to me right after she – it was like evening when I when I interviewed her because I was um, working full time. So I would do them all in the evening. And then she sent me this note right after, which is very important to the story of like why I'm talking to you right now because she said to me, that was fun. You're really good at that. You should keep doing it. And she probably didn't even think about that. It wasn't probably like a big deal for her at all. But she was someone I obviously really respected and admired. And for her to say that, I was like, okay. Like I might, you know, like I probably wasn't even very good at it. But she said that and like made me believe in myself when I couldn't. And so anyway, like to fast forward, I kept doing it. I ended up getting a book deal and I wrote this book about journaling, which was a tremendous and still is a tremendous 
practice for me for self-awareness and getting to know myself and, you know, navigating everything from every transition in my life, including all the body image stuff. And so the book is called Let It Out because it's about journaling. It's about feeling your feelings and letting them out of your head and your body and onto a page where you can sort through them. And and you know that book was coming out my publisher really wanted everything under my own name Katie Dalebow and by that point you know i was moving away from asking people those very specific questions about wellness and i on the advice of my therapist and you know the person i mentioned before Isabel Fox and Duke i realized i needed to diversify my coping mechanisms and my interests. And my interest was like purely wellness, you know? So you have to replace things in your life. You know, you have to replace like where that was, if I want that to not be such a huge focus, I need to put something else there. And I was on a quest to figure out like, what do I even like? Who am I without being the wellness yoga girl? Like who is Katie without the wellness wonderland? And so I started to take improv classes and I got into comedy podcasts instead of constantly listening to wellness stuff. And I took stand-up comedy and I started watching movies again. And I started to just like become a person in the world. And I was dating again. And I was just like doing more stuff and saying yes to more stuff and making more friends and being more social. And so then from there, the podcast just like went right along with me. So I started interviewing actors and comedians as often as I was interviewing therapists and yoga teachers. But I was still, you know, I often say you can take the wellness wonderland off of the internet, but you can't take the wellness wonderland out of the girl, you know, like I'm still interested in wellness. I still think a lot of those things are useful. And if not even just useful, I think they're fun. You know, I love a tonic and all of the herbs as much as the next guy. Do I know if it's what's making my hair grow or not? Like, no, I don't really know. And who cares? Like, it, you know, I don't think it's hurting. And it's a fun hobby. So I'm still asking people questions about wellness, but it's not my main focus every time. And it's not exclusively who I'm interviewing. It's really just a place for them to let out whatever they're feeling and what and create a safe space to to do that while people are eavesdropping. And so that's why I switched the name to let it out. And I'm actually like going through a whole new transition. And you know, we like I said before, we're constantly growing and transitioning. Always. And this podcast has evolved in so many ways too. And I have too. My wellness wonderland was actually called the holistic blogger. And I'm thinking back mm. on my old recipes. No one liked my recipes because they were just way too healthy. I mean, they what you would starve if you were to eat those daily. But yeah. I ended up deleting that. It was just so old. But also, you know what? I, I too have no shame in loving wellness because it's not only for my shell, but also for my soul. Wellness is I love I still love the name Wellness Wonderland, but hey. I love Let It Out for you. Yes. Thank and you. yeah, and I know that journaling was key for helping you heal and recognize this too. And that's why I mean you wrote a book on it, which is amazing. And you are also just the queen of inspiring other people to journal. So I'm just curious, how can journaling help others heal whatever they are going through from dealing with body image? anything or money blocks or feeling stuck or trying to find that next path of theirs yeah. if they're just so stuck on one key thing like wellness. Yeah, journaling, I mean, gosh, it's it's everything to me. And I honestly like I got I like laugh saying that because I 
I can't believe I'm still talking about journaling, sort of, because I started writing this book and I got the idea for this book in 2013. I was 22 years old. I'm now 28. And like, I'm still, this is still kind of my bread and butter. But it's hilarious because it's like, I still need it and I still do it. And I will until I'm 90. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's such a simple, free, underrated wellness or personal growth practice that I, I've just never, I will never not need it personally. And some people, you know, can process verbally or, you know, process with friends and and I need to do all of those things too. However, I don't know what I'm thinking or feeling unless I'm writing. And I have found that writing has been my greatest journaling in particular, not writing essays and not blog posts, but writing for the purpose of letting it out of my mind, right? Like let it out is about why it's called that. Why the book is called that is because my mom would say to me when I was sick as a kid, if I either had a stuffy nose or if I like had the flu and needed to throw up, she would say, let it out, let it out. You got to let it out. And, and it's so true. It's like, you've got to get all that gunk out. If you like need to throw up and you like swallow it, like eventually you're going to need to let it out. That's cool. That's fine. Like it's just going to like go back down your esophagus. Sorry, this is so graphic. I love it though Um, because it's so true. It's so fitting. It's so true. It's so true. And it's like, this is also like a very graphic example, but I just thought of this yesterday of like, I'm sorry. It's about poop. Is that okay? Please TMI all the way. (laughs) Okay, great. So I think about this in the sense of feeling your feelings. And, you know, I'm someone I had a therapist tell me years ago, like, you don't feel your feelings, you think your feelings. So you're not actually in your body feeling them, unless they get really dire, and they like come over you. And then when that happens, you just push them away, you need to like, feel it for a couple minutes, don't run away from it and let it move through you. And then you can move on. And, um, I thought of this analogy yesterday because I was I was feeling something so intensely and I just like it came up mostly like in my chest and I like felt like I needed to cry and I like couldn't in that moment so I like pushed it down but then eventually like later that day it came back and I did feel it and eventually it went away and so I thought of this as like you know how if you like have to poop but you're like driving or you're like okay. out and about and you're like nowhere near a bathroom or it's like a public bathroom and you just like can't go right then Oh, yes. It's the worst feeling. Worst, it's horrible. Comfortable feeling, but you just you got to let it out. But yeah, you have but you have to in that moment hold it in. Like yeah. holding it in is what you have to do sometimes. And like we have to do that with our emotions sometimes. Like if you're feeling horrible and vulnerable about like a relationship thing, but you have a big career thing happening that day, you're probably going to hold in the emotion of the career thing and do your presentation. And then feel the relationship thing later. Like you're just like you can't take the poop right then, you know? Yeah. And but eventually you're gonna have to take the poop, right? And so it's the difference between oh, what yeah. I call like <laughs> coping or solving. Like coping is pushing it down, doing something that will make you feel better in the moment, like turning to TV or turning to a snack or whatever to like ignore the feeling. And eventually you're going to have to go back to it when it comes up to you because it's just going to get caught in your body. It's going to create, I believe, disease or like negativity or stagnation or just negative things. So that's what letting it out. That's what journaling really helps with. You know, journaling, it can be very uncomfortable for people, including myself. Like sometimes it's the last thing I want to do because it puts the mirror up in your face to face yourself and to be present with yourself. You know, when you're journaling, 
you can't really be multitasking. You can't really be doing a bunch of other things. You have to be present, which is, you know, why I love it. And when I was researching the book, I found out that we have over 60,000 thoughts a day. And a lot of those are repeat thoughts or negative patterning or programming and just stuff we think on repeat. And so to sit down and let your thoughts out of your head onto the page, then you can sift through them and sort them and decide which ones are true, which ones are holding you back, where you picked them up from, and decide which ones you want to listen to and decide what feelings you need to feel. And journaling on its own isn't like the end all be all. It's not like the wellness tool that's going to heal you. It's the wellness tool that's going to make all the other wellness tools do their job. You know, it's like I can go into my therapy session way more armed to like with clarity of like where I need guidance and help and support if I've journaled before. And I can like make the medicine I get from therapy or from talking to a friend or from acupuncture or from meditation, I can take those revelations that I have or those like realizations about myself or about my situation and I can make them it's more potent for me if I can sit down and process it in my journal it helps me remember it helps me integrate it and make a plan and so I think it's the best piece of, it's the best partner to all of these other practices that the, that we can do for ourselves and and also it'll make your relationships deeper it not only will make your relationship with yourself better because you'll be more self-aware, but you can bring that self-awareness to your relationships and you'll have more clarity and you'll feel more, uh, you'll, yeah, you'll just feel hopefully more clear. Mm, Yes. Well, first of all, rewinding all the way back to the beginning of this, that was probably, yes, the grossest yet honestly most clear analogy on that situation. And I am putting it in my pocket. Right? You're so good at analogies. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, I I was like coming up my stairs yesterday and I honestly like kind of had to poop. And I was like, oh, good thing I'm home because I wouldn't have been able to do this like on the subway 10 minutes ago. I would have had to like hold it. And like, I guess I could talk. P is the same way, I guess. That would probably be less graphic. um, No, like, yeah. Takes it to another level. I honestly like the poop. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry if everybody listening that grossed you out in any way but it is what it is but get over it because we all poop and like we all do it yeah (laughs) oh and also yes to journaling and making you feel so present in that moment now that can be so uncomfortable like you said and so how can everyone listening make the most of their journaling sessions especially when we can easily be so uncomfortable with the uncomfortable yeah yeah I am I'm very bad at being uncomfortable like horribly bad at it we all are some people maybe are better at it some people love it I I often say you know journaling is you have to make sure you're doing it for yourself or it's not journaling if you're writing and you're editing or you're like worried about how it looks or spelling or that someone will find it like that's fine you're writing but you're you're not necessarily journaling. That's like writing a letter, an email or a blog post. And so really make sure it's just for you. And if that means you need to rip it up and throw it away right away or burn it or flush it down the toilet or, you know, do something like that with it, then fine. Or delete the file right off your computer after like do that. So you know that it's just for you and it's, you, it has that impermanence. For me, I was being gifted a lot of 
beautiful journals like from anthropology the paper source and like all these beautiful expensive journals after my book came out which was lovely but I would find myself wanting to write in it only positive things and that's not really the point of letting it out it's sometimes positive but it's also sometimes boring or negative or horrible or dark or you know really light and maybe embarrassing because it's like I, I can't have that big goal or, you know, whatever it is. And so I started writing on a legal pad and I found that to be really helpful because on a legal pad, I was less precious and I could just throw it away after. And I, and I often do. And so I think just making sure you're writing for yourself, that's, that's number one key, you know, and just not judging it, actually just letting it out. Um, and then, you know, the, the piece about, the resistance of not wanting to feel those feelings. I I think if you ask yourself a good question, you'll get a good answer. It'll kind of take you into those corners of your mind that you maybe don't want to go into, or you're nervous to go into, you're scared to go into like, um, you know, a trauma or like a micro trauma or just like a bad day or like a bad conversation with someone and you're scared, but It'll help you to process it when you do. It's just like the feeling of like, you know, <laughs> to take this poop analogy with us, like, you know, sometimes it kind of cramps when it comes up and you feel way better after, you know, it's like, you got to just kind of get through it. And, and yeah, I mean, I think just not being precious with it, doing it, you know, I, what I love about journaling is it can be done anywhere. It doesn't cost anything. You don't have to do it at a certain time of day, but and anybody can do it. If you can write a text message, you can journal. If you can write an email, you can journal. It's simply writing as we speak. It's having a conversation with your intuition, with yourself, just like you would with a really close friend. It's just the most non-judgmental friend you'll ever have. And I find that with other people, even people who are safe, like a therapist or a coach or a close friend, there's a little bit of judgment there just because there's another person. And if you remove that judgment completely by just doing it with yourself, you know that you're safe to be vulnerable and authentic and fully real and as emotional as you want to be. Your title for this is now going to be Katie Dell about let it out something and poop analogies. (laughs) So many poop analogies. (laughs) Dear self expanders and yomis dedicated to enhancing their talents and learning new skills to have the best lived human experience. Well, if you haven't tried out Skillshare yet, it is time for you to challenge yourself for the next two months to try Skillshare for only 99 cents. That's right, two months for 99 cents for the Soul Tribe when you use our special link, skillshare.com forward slash magic. This is truly a steal because you'll have access to over 20,000 courses, creative courses and writing courses, illustration, photography, business, singing, tech, social media, and strategies for being your own boss and launching your career. And they have also lots of fun workshops that you can attend me. I've already taken a couple different writing courses and an entrepreneurship course. Brilliant. So again, Skillshare is gifting you two months for 99 cents when you use the special link skillshare.com forward slash magic and just take a peek. Why not? That's skillshare.com forward slash magic and start your two months today.
Speaking of people being able to just take out their phones and just type it out, perhaps right now they can either write it down or type in their phone maybe one or two prompts that come to mind to help them start journaling today. Yeah. Do you have any in mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give a couple today that are just like really simple and wonderful. You know, I've got a book with 55 more of them if people like want more where this is coming yes. from. But I think for people listening right now, you know, when you park, if you're driving or, you know, right now, if they want to pause this, I think ask yourself, how are you feeling? Just simply, how are you feeling? And like free writing on that for like 10 minutes and free writing. I just mean like writing without stopping for like 10 minutes and just not judging it. You know, we often ask each other this all day long, but we just say, good, good, yeah, I'm fine. Like, but do you really, like, how are you really? Like, how are you emotionally? How are you physically? How are you feeling? Like, what sensations are in your body? What's going through your mind? What are your, you know, what are the things that you're worried about? What are your fears? So, like, those are even more questions that I just gave right now, but really it all stems from how are you feeling? And so that's one. And then, you know, I would say to another, this is in my book, but something called a repeat thought list. So just jot down all the thoughts you're thinking on repeat. You know, usually for me, it's like a body image thing, a work thing and a relationship thing, you know, it's like the same three things all the time. Um, but yeah, and then they, they switch, but it's like kind of they're in those categories. So like figure out what it is for you. And then another question that I that I like is how could things be, feel easier Ooh. you know like what would this happened if this felt if this were easy do you subscribe to Tim Ferriss yeah. yeah 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 he likes that question so much and I think it's such a great journaling prompt of like what would this how could I bring more ease to this how could I bring more um how could I make myself feel better what kind of what could I do to make myself more comfortable that's like another way of saying this you know like yeah none of us like being uncomfortable that's fine but sometimes you're going to have to be. And when you are, what could make you a little bit less uncomfortable? Or what could just help with the discomfort? Like yesterday when I was, you know, GTI, I like made myself tea and I called my friend and I sat by my heater and I like, yeah, I was feeling uncomfortable emotionally, but I also didn't have to be feeling uncomfortable physically. And I knew like, I didn't really want to eat, but I knew like making myself have some avocado toast was like, going to be a better choice for me than like adding fuel to the fire of like me being hangry on top of everything else, you know? So like when you're stressed or when you're emotional, like what, what do you need? Like at slow down, what do you need? What can help you? How can, how are you going to self-soothe? I love all of those questions. Like the first one, it's not, you're not answering how are you, you know, someone's social script. You're really answering for your soul, you know, for you to heal whatever you're going through. But then there is really so much power in becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable to an extent, of course. I've recognized that if you're not comfortable with the situation, that you don't have to face that if it's something that doesn't feel right for your your intuition is telling you no. But if it's something that you happen to be holding in that's not comfortable, that is holding you back in some way and you know that that is holding you back or it's bringing you down, that is something to indeed face. And what safer place to expose that and to really bring awareness to it and attention to it and perhaps come up with a solution with yourself to heal it than to just have you and a paper, like nothing else, no judgment there, just you and a paper. There's not a safer space than that. 
Oh, it's so true. It's it's so true. Well said. Also, okay, this may sound so out of the blue, but I have a reason for bringing this up, and you'll mm-hmm. see. I know you and I are both, we both have listened to Abraham Hicks for a long time. Yes. I'm also yes, so long. So long. I'm well, such an such an Abrahamster. Oh, yeah. Since like 2014 for me. Yeah, like 2012. Wow. See, wow. And for those of you listening who aren't familiar with Abraham Hicks, <laughs> well, yes, if that's you... a whole other podcast. <laughs> oh, no, that, that, it, it's loaded. I'll just like sum it up really fast. But I mean, those who do are more open-minded to anything that's woo-woo or this is definitely something that you might be interested in diving into because it's going to completely shift your world. But for some of the listeners who might be a bit more skeptic, um, Abraham Hicks might honestly just not really be your jam in this season of your life. <laughs> but that's okay. That's totally okay. And Abraham Hicks, though, it is a group of entities, conscious entities that have that channel through this woman her name is Esther Hicks, and they've been channeling through her since the 80s, I believe. Yeah. And they share the laws of the universe with a great emphasis on the law of attraction. And so first, before I get into the whole reason why I'm bringing this up, I'm curious, how did you get into them and what interested you about them? Oh my gosh, great question. Well, gosh, they've been such a constant in my life, and I, I want to like revisit them now that I'm talking to you. I I think a mentor of mine mentioned them. I think Gabby Bernstein mentioned them to me in around 2012 or not even maybe like to me, but I like heard her maybe mention Abraham Hicks or maybe it was because I was very into like Hay House and Louise Hay and, you know, person. I was like, a, as much as I was orthorexic, I was also like addicted to personal growth and self-help at the time as well. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so I I think I just found my way to hearing them and I was like this is weird, but I'm in, you know, which is kind of like my personality like if 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 I like something, I'm just kind of like I don't even need to know why, just tell me what to do, you know, like um and and listening oh. to them, it felt like it was so potent to me personally and the way they articulated things and the way they explained things to me just went right in. You know what I mean? Like it didn't need a filter. Just was like, yep, got it. Mm -hmm. From there, I just would like, whenever I had like a relationship thing or a work thing, I would type in like Abraham Hicks pimple or like Abraham Hicks my foot hurts or like Abraham Hicks moving. Almost every little thing. Yeah. Like Abraham Hicks find an apartment, like whatever I needed. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been there for me on YouTube ever since. <laughs> I know. And you know what's amazing is that supposedly they're all really mm, in us yeah. as well. She just has meditated herself to have easier access because she has absolutely no resistance to them because she doesn't really subscribe to any sort of I think a lot of people that might have deep political affiliations or just deep beliefs that might be resistant to it are it's hard to be open to that. So, it's very interesting, but you know, she's just on a different vibration, Mm -hmm. clearly. Um, Now, the reason why I asked has to do with journaling. And one of their big things that they talk about 
is to just not focus or even write down or say out loud something that you're going through that is bothering you because you may manifest more of that. At Mm -hmm. least that's how I've interpreted it in the past. And I used to have this guilty complex whenever I felt like journaling an issue that I was holding in. And then if I did write it down, I would just worry that I'm going to end up attracting more of that because I you know, brought it in back into my awareness. And then I started to journal just only positive, only gratitude, almost falsely positive, to be honest, where I just felt like I was fooling myself and I wasn't addressing anything. And now, you know, I do keep it real, which ends up being mostly high vibe and good vibes, which is great. But what are your thoughts on this perspective of Abraham's message? Great question. Well, I, you know, our friend, and I think she's done your show, right? Lacey Phillips. Yes. She talks about this a lot of like that, you know, new age model of think positive. And she articulates this really well of like in her, she talks about manifestation too. And she was, she is also, you know, an Abrahamster and has listened to all of their, their stuff. Um, And, you know, her process is, is different in the way that she looks at it as, as like you have to face your shadow and you have to face these negative things. And, and I'm, I'm in alignment with that too. And that's like what I was well before, you know, Lacey was talking about manifestation and before um, I was even thinking about that, those things, I was in therapy and I was journaling and I, I realized that, you know, it's, I completely agree with, what Abraham Hicks is saying in a lot of ways. And and I agree with a lot of that myself of, um, you know, if you harp on negative things for a long time, that's nothing good will come of that. I think it's rather unproductive, but at the same time, ignoring them and pretending them they're not there is harmful as well. Just like going back to the poop analogy, you know, you've got to like release it a bit. And then once you release it, then you can be like, okay, like, you feel some relief and there's some more space there to bring in the positive. But I think just pretending that the negative isn't there doesn't work, or at least it doesn't work for me. And I know I've had times where like I've been worrying about something and spiraling about something. And that is scary because that feels like a prayer for chaos. It feels like you're praying for what you don't want. And when that happens, like in my mind, I'll be like, cancel, cancel, you know? And as far as journaling, you know, if I have a fear or worry or whatever, me taking it out of my head and putting it onto a page, I don't think it really like, you know, I'm not pasting it on my wall as like a mantra, you know, I'm (laughs) I'm literally like maybe burning it or throwing it in the trash, you know? So I think for me to like take it out of my head is like, okay, this is what I'm going through. And then, you know, what, what you'll find is like, I do a similar exercise to morning pages. I call it the morning dump. So like, and just to, just to keep going with these poop analogies, but <laughs> it's actually the first exercise in my book. It's called the morning dump. And it's, it's based off of Julia Cameron's exercise in her book, The Artist's Way, where, you know, she suggests people write three pages front back front, um, releasing everything in their mind, everything they woke up with, all their fears, all their worries, all their excitement, whatever. And I have a more directed version in my book. But like, essentially, I found when I've done an exercise like that, where I'm just free writing and letting out what's in my brain. Yeah, some of that will be negative. Because there are and not even negative, but some of it will be worry or some of it, it depends on the day. Some of it, yeah, might be negative. Like maybe something didn't go my way. 
But I don't think that that's bad because I believe when something doesn't go my way, it means there's something better or, you know, the universe will reroute me to a different direction and it might feel, but that doesn't mean it doesn't feel really bad right now. You know, like growth might not be comfortable. It might just be growth and growth might not be pretty. Like my therapist said this to me today because where I'm sitting, I have like all these plants next to me. I had all these plants next to me and she was like, look at those plants they're growing they're growing and they need to be watered and they need to be cared for but they're growing but it's not pretty like they're growing in all different directions it's like a jungle over there they're a mess but like but they're growing and that's like being a person in the world it's like growth might not be linear it might not be comfortable it might not be fast. It requires patience. And I think journaling out those negative things, I find when I do that, I start to self-soothe as I go down the page. You know, I start to, you know, it's like everything is horrible, but tomorrow is better. And I don't even actively try to do that. I will say, and I think I say this somewhere in the book that I try to not end a journaling session on like a negative. I try to like come to some resolution or some plan or some action I can take to resolve what I'm feeling or to share what I'm feeling. Because I believe that when you feel like shame can't exist once it's shared or these fear, like I, I, my biggest thing is like, I just don't want to feel alone. So that's when I like call my best friend or I talk to my therapist or I, you know, do all of that. But first you have to admit it to yourself or you won't be able to admit it to someone else. So I totally get that about like being afraid to say something negative or think something negative. And I, I heard someone say once, like when you think something negative, say cancel, cancel. And I do that in my mind all the time. I'll be worrying about something spiraling. I'm like, ah, oh, shoot. And I say like, cancel, cancel. And I pivot and I do do that. But other times it's like, oh, this is a feeling that's coming up. That's like emotional and bad and uncomfortable. I should, I want to push it away and say cancel, cancel, but I don't actually feel that that's useful. I think what's more useful is to like, sit and feel it and let it move through me. And then I'll get the, the idea or the download or the, you know, the, someone will call me or like, I will figure out what to do next. It will come to me. But first I have to like allow it to move through me. Mm, Yes. It's a way of releasing that energy that is actually, it's actually just taking it out of ourself as that energy does need to go somewhere you know, energy never dissipates. Energy never dies. It always is going to go somewhere. And you just brought this to my awareness that instead of, you know, holding it in or perhaps even worse, lashing that energy out onto someone else, which so many people frequently do, it's best to just put it on a paper and perhaps burn it later or remove it in some way. So maybe keep two journals, you know, have one for your gratitude. It doesn't hurt to have that around. I I actually have two journals myself, but same. I have a bunch. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What are your different types of journals? Well, just like you were saying, like I, well, when I was saying I was getting those really beautiful journals sent to me or whatever, I, I keep one, you know, yeah, for positive things, for gratitude. And, and then I have like a legal pad where I do more of like morning pages. And then I have one that's kind of like, for productivity and for work. And then I kind of carry around with me with my to-do lists. And, you know, I have one for like, um, you know, like other exercises that I'm doing. So it's just like, I think, I think like you said, yeah, you'll be more likely to let it out if you have a space where you can do that comfortably. 
Yes, I love that. I know that you talked about recently, you felt held back in a sense because you felt burnt out. Mm -hmm. That's how you put it. I love that term, burnt out. And what was that like and how did you recover from it? Dude, I'm still recovering from it. You know, I think I just like, I was spread so thin and like burnout is like a real thing that I didn't even know was a real thing. And it's kind of interesting because it's like when you're in it, you don't really realize you're in it. It's not like confetti falls. And it's like, you're in burnout right now. If you don't slow down, you're not going to be inspired to do your work anymore. Please stop. Like there's no like sign that comes up to like tell you like check engine. You just, you're just like all of a sudden there and thrust into it. And that was the case for me. Like my relationships were suffering. My body was suffering, like all, all of these things. So now I'm just trying to like slow down, say no more, you know, um, take care of my time and not try to optimize my time to fit so much in and, um, just like know that when I say no, it doesn't mean never. It just means not right now. And just to like really try to be nice to myself. I'm still figuring it out, but that's where I, that's where I'm at right now. I love that. And I'm, I know that you're big on self-care routines, which I'm sure you, implement a lot in your life right now, especially during this burnout phase of your life. Do you have any specific self-care routines or strategies that come to mind that you'd like to share? Yeah. I mean, I just have stuff that like makes me feel like a person that I kind of do every day. And, you know, I meditate, I do, I do TM meditation. So I'll do, I used to get both in every single day, but since I've lived in New York, I I always get the one in, but I might not get into, or for people listening, TM is like 20 minutes in the morning and the evening. Um, or that's like how you're supposed to do it. But yeah, so I try to meditate every day. I, I do a lot of walking here and like that really grounds me and makes me feel good. I try to keep the mornings really chill and easy and like not have any meetings before 11 a.m. Um, I do actually journal. I have a very interesting relationship with my best friend where I can like tell her anything and call her and like really be vulnerable with her. And that is like, I consider a self-care routine. Um, I try to not be on my phone that much, but you know, I'm addicted like all of us. So it's just, um, most of us, unfortunately. So it's just, you know, it's like, I try my best every day. That's really it. (laughs) It's so funny that a lot of people do like to make self-care a bit complex when it really can just be so simple. Like do what lights you up in that moment, what just feels good. And having a rhythm every day that you know works best for you, like taking it slow in the morning. I also don't like to have any meetings till 11 a.m. That's why this podcast for me wasn't till 11 a.m., you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very adamant on that for my own self-care. And I don't want you to go away before we talk about your podcast course because I get this question so much and it just seems to be aligning for me to talk about podcasts but there because there are so many people that have actually created courses like yourself and I would just rather direct them to someone who knows it like yourself. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. And we will definitely, I'll definitely talk to you later and get you like how you can, how you can share it and and support it. But yeah, I mean, I, like I said already on this podcast, I started podcasting in 2013, which was, you know, pre podcasting being anywhere close to what it is now. And I've gotten so much from it. And my online workshop is called let a podcast out. And it is something that I made because like you, I was getting so many questions of 
how do you start a podcast? I want to start a podcast. And, you know, my course is for what I call DIY podcasting. So this is, we're not, we're not NPR over here. This is for people who are making podcasts on the side of a full-time job, which I did for six years. This is people who are podcasting as a hobby because they want to do it with their best friend about, you know, a show they love or whatever it is. This is people who, you know, want to do it and maybe also have an online business or a business in general, but they're not like going to make their sole income from podcasting. Although I do talk about monetizing it, which you can easily do. But the course is, it's eight modules and um, it's me doing a going over everything from naming your podcast, how to come up with a concept, interviewing, all the technology and equipment needed to record and edit and outsource if you want to do that, and then how to market it, how to get people to listen to it, and then how to um, eventually monetize it and at least cover your costs. So that's that. And then there's also worksheets and how to reach out to guests which with my exact templates to to do that. And then I interviewed over a dozen other podcasters where they completely opened the kimono. So people like Jessica Renan and Jess Lively and Almost 30 and That's a Retrograde and Christy Harrison and like so many people who have been doing it for a long time as well or are newer but are just really great. And, you know, they completely open up and say everything that they do with podcasting, which is different than me. And so there's a lot of resources. And at the end, there's actually a contest. So I choose one winner to be aired on my podcast station. Um, so wow. there's, in, it incentivizes people, it incentivizes people to actually not just take the workshop and forget about it, but take the workshop and use it and then gives them a deadline. Cause I know I always need a deadline. Oh, Katie, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Are you ready for some rapid fire? Oh my God. Rapid fire are my favorite. I'm so ah, excited. Me too. Morning or night person? Ooh, uh, uh, I like the mornings better. So mornings. What's your morning routine like then? It's different every day, but usually I wake up, I try, I drink some water. I mean, to be really granular, I drink some water, I brush my teeth and scrape my tongue. And then I usually take a poo-poo. Just I feel like I like needed to say that today. With, like, <laughs> it's a theme. Um, but then... Yeah, I, I like leaving early in the morning. So I like to like go to a fitness class or something and then come back, meditate, um, maybe journal. And then I'll make some breakfast. I like to sit down and like have tea and have breakfast and like maybe like watch something or listen to something informational. And then I get into work and like sip my tea throughout the morning. And I like to do at my best, like the most um, creative tasks first, because my my discipline and my inspiration just like plummet throughout the day. <laughs> Me too. That's why I'm definitely an early bird as well. Do you happen to have a writing routine? Um, not really. I I kind of write like whenever I am inspired to, or whenever I have to. I kind of set myself deadlines, and um, and I yeah, I can kind of do it anywhere. There's I like working outside of my house. So I like to go to co-working spaces or coffee shops. And um, yeah, I don't really have a routine. I kind of wish I did. 
But it sounds like you really just go with the flow with what you do, what lights you up in that moment. You also are, you are able to uphold to whatever your personal deadlines are, which is really challenging when you're self-employed or your own, you're your own boss. Yeah, so it's good. definitely interesting. And like, I wasn't self-employed until somewhat recently. And so, I mean, I also, like I did this alongside of a full-time job. So I got very used to like working in pockets and stealing away moments here and there. And it was all very chaotic, but it got done. Like I wrote my book during that. I made this course during that. I did this podcast every Wednesday throughout all of that. So like I, it just had to be done and I did it all at the same time. And now that I like do have more time, it's, I'm still learning how to like, okay, I do have more space. I don't need to work in these like weird chaotic ways. Like, how do I handle that? You know, that is honestly so inspiring. I should have you back on sometime just to talk about that. I feel like so many people are struggling trying to figure out how they can make what they want to do. There. Yeah, but I would love to talk about that. Amazing. A spirit animal. Ooh, um, the whale. Ah, why? That's um, so cute. I just, I love whales. I like wrote a book about them in fourth grade and think wow. they're, I just think they're really cool and vast and I don't know. I just like them. I just, yeah. And they feel like, oh, I don't yeah. know why. I just, I've always, they, they feel calming to me. Oh, oh, amazing. Favorite crystal. Oh, I don't like know crystals that well, but I, Mama Medicine gave me black tourmaline and she told me to put that in my bath and I've just been like carrying it in my hand or carrying it around with me in in New York City sometimes. Yeah, so I'll say that one because I don't I don't really know them that well. What's yours? Um probably amethyst right now. It really depends. I, mine always changes depending on the season of life I'm in and right now. Totally. I amethyst and I have one sitting right here. Um Strawberry, chocolate, vanilla, or Neapolitan? Neapolitan. Favorite city in the world? Oh, um, I haven't been to that many cities, but I think even if I had, I'd probably say New York. I mean, I just think, I think whether I live here forever or I don't know how long, like I will always need to come back here frequently because I think of New York as kind of like an adult Disneyland. Like there's, you can (laughs) kind of plug into whatever you want in any moment. You can also like retreat into your apartment. Like it's, it's actually built on a crystal. I don't know if you know that, but Ruby Warrington told me that. So the energy here is supercharged. And if anyone is like curious about New York stuff, I had Deborah, who is Mama Medicine, um, on my podcast a couple weeks ago. And she talked about not just this, but like the energy of New York City and like why she has her business here. And it's it it was it was fascinating. And, you know, I yeah, there's a lot I could say about the city. No wonder why there's so many high vibing conscious people there. That makes so much sense. A world of sense, actually. Book that you're currently reading? Oh, it's right in front of me. It's called How to Not Always Be Working by Marley Grace. And she is perfect for you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> she is so fantastic. And you should definitely have her on the podcast. Tell her I sent you or I can connect you. She is like magic. I. I love her so much. I love her work. So the universe gave you free billboards to share one message across the main highways in major cities all around the world. What would these billboards read? You're not alone. Just try your best. And that, oh my God, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Just try your best and that's okay. And you're, you are seen and loved. I love your sincerity. Uh, One last question that 
I have all the guests answer. How would you advise the Your Own Magic listeners to create their own magic? Oh, well, you know, I, I think you should just, I think you create magic by doing things that make you feel cozy and comfortable and not forcing magic or flow, just letting it happen and know that like some days you aren't going to feel your best and just like letting that be okay and maybe even indulging in that and just like be there and know that, you know, just really, really go there, like wear your bathrobe and be like moody and dark and maybe write a poem or something. And then or watch a bunch of Netflix if you don't want to write a poem. Just like be in it and know that you're going to get out of it eventually. You don't have to try. Eventually you will be inspired again. Eventually you will feel loved again. And as hard as it is right now, feel it. Poop it out because eventually you'll feel relief and you'll be inspired again and the magic will come back. You don't have to force it. You don't have to find it. It will come to you. Just create the conditions for it, which is you know, make yourself feel as comfortable as you can reach out to people, do the thing that is maybe the thing you maybe don't want to do, but you need to do, which is maybe like reaching out to someone for help or facing the feeling that you don't want to face and, um, and just, just trust and try to appreciate the things that are working in your life as much as you can write down those appreciations. And then when you get a hit to do something else, follow that. Um, yeah. And I think that'll make the appreciation list grow and you'll life will feel magical again. Wow. <laughs> That's something everyone deserves to hear. Thank you. It's okay to be human, everyone. <laughs> yeah. How can everyone find and connect with you? Oh, that. yeah, that's so nice. I, I would love to be friends with everyone who's listening on on social media, I'm at Katie Dalebow, and my podcast is in iTunes called Let It Out. And, you know, I'm just like a Google away, and I would love to to hang out with you guys. And, um, yeah, my new website's going to be called Let It Out, um, which will be in the new year. And, yeah, it just, just keep in touch with me, you know. It'd be so fun. And I hope I get to – thank you so much for having me. You're so wonderful, and I hope that I get to stay in touch with you. If you're ever in New York, please tell me. Oh, absolutely. We will definitely – I have no doubt we're going to stay in touch. I felt so even more deeply connected with you after this. And I'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes for everyone to connect with you. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you so much. I think you're wonderful. And I'm so, so, I was going to say grateful, but I know that Abraham Hicks prefers appreciative. So I'll say that. I'm so appreciative of you. And I just, I think that your podcast is great. And I really appreciated you taking the time to come up with such thoughtful questions and for having me. Well, one last thing that I know you've been wrapping up with. And so I wanted to just do this with you, which is to let it out with a deep inhale and exhale. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I need everyone. it. Oh, me too, actually. So everyone take a deep inhale. And exhale, let it out. <sighs> Yay, thank you. Always feels a little better, right? I do feel a little better. Yeah. Dear Yomi, thank you so much, so, so much for lending your ear. I 
I hope something in this spoke to your soul. And will you please, please say hello in the Your Own Magic Facebook group to all of the Soul Tribers. And if you, if you like this podcast, I would so love to read your review. And of course, I'll gift you a free guided meditation from yourownmagic.life, which by the way, has many meditations, meditative imaginings, journal questions, magic monthly challenges, and just other spiritual tools for your soul. More on yourownmagic.life when you join the Soul Tribe exclusive site for $4.44 per month. I'm just thankful for us spiritualists to gather together and have a safe space to help us tap into our own magic. Anyways, I love you all so much. Thank you for listening and have a magical day.